Annyeonghaseyo. Hello and welcome back to the Hello Taekwondo podcast, the podcast for passionate martial artists. I'm your host, Josh Tiberadinas. Today, we're exploring the topic of how to teach martial arts to preschoolers. As many of you might know, it's a very different experience than teaching a class of adults or even teaching a class of school-age kids. Joining us to lend her expertise, we welcome to the podcast sixth degree black belt master instructor in Taekwondo, owner of Fort Bend Taekwondo, Miss Carol Chapman. Miss Chapman, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I am super excited to talk to you about teaching preschoolers. Uh, you have a wonderful, very successful program for your preschool age students. So why don't we just jump straight into it? You have two programs, right? So you have two different programs for this younger age group, one for like the very young and then one for your like almost school age kids. Can you tell us a little bit about that and why you made the choice to split them? Sure. So I have a, a three and four year old class and then a five and six year old class. And the main reason again is because their developmental stages are so different from one another. What a three year old can do or more likely can't do compared to a six-year-old is pretty profound. You know, I mean, if you think about it, a six-year-old has been alive double the time of a three-year-old. So even simple things like take a jumping jack, for instance, three and four-year-olds don't have that bilateral coordination down just yet. And some five and six-year-olds don't either, but primarily three and four-year-olds don't, aren't able to move their arms and legs at the same time. Um, with bilateral coordination. So instead of doing jumping jacks, we do what I call uh, out and ins, and we're just moving our feet in a jumping jack motion. And then with the five and six-year-olds, we add the arms and do jumping jacks as well. They're not doing, you know, a great jumping jack compared to like, you know, a nine-year-old or a 10-year-old, but they're at least able to move their arms and legs at the same time. <laughs> so Right, right. Okay, interesting. So what do you look for um, in terms of uh, whether they're ready to progress to the next class from that? Like, is it just age um, or do you look for specific skill sets? Uh, yeah, there are four things that I look at. And uh, this this information is uh, something that I've taken from uh, the skills program. And, and um, I use that program in my classes. So I want to make sure that I give credit where credit is, is due. Um, okay. There are four different areas that I look for in a child, uh, no matter what program they're in. I look at them intellectually, socially, emotionally, and physically. So there needs to be a, an advancement of sorts in all of those areas for me to consider moving up a child. And I say of sorts because let's take, for instance, uh, I have a little boy, he's five. He is absolutely brilliant. So smart. He can probably do more advanced math than I can right now. <laughs> um, and the curriculum at that five and six year old level is so underwhelming for him that I had to move him up to the seven year old class to challenge him. Yet physically, he is still five years old. So yesterday in class, we were working on pivoting, for example, and he can't pivot. He shouldn't be able to pivot. He's five, you know. Right, so, right, right. So, um, but you know, I really had to 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 weigh 
weigh those things out. And that's a big consideration for me, especially moving a five or a six-year-old up to my seven and above class. You know, you've got these kids who are so whip smart, um, but physically and emotionally, they're still at that five and six-year-old age level. And it's really just a fine balance and knowing the kid really well and determining what's going to be best for that child. You know, so that, yeah, that's really interesting. I've got uh, a kid currently uh, in our you know preschool program, our little dragons, that is kind of the opposite. Um, he his comprehension of the material um, is is very low. Um, I believe, if I'm not wrong, I, I believe he's on the spectrum. Um, but so you know, he has trouble being focused and remembering all the techniques. But physically. He, he can do like a jump number two round kick and it looks really well and he's five years old, but he doesn't remember the, the order of the moves that we're learning in like the form. So it's kind of the opposite. Right. Yeah. And, and there are, are a couple of seven year olds that I have that are still in the five and six year old class for that exact same reason. So uh, again, it's, you know, yeah, they're age specific and that's mainly to help new students coming in understanding, you know, that, that process. But really it's more, for me, it's more developmentally specific. You know, where are they developmentally? You know, can they handle the rigors of learning a challenging form in two months time? Um, can they, and I also try to really forecast out, you know, um, to when they become intermediate students and they're starting to do those spin kicks and the jump kicks and the jump spin kicks physically, are they going to be able to even do that? Um, and so I really weigh that out as to where I place a child and, and make sure that it's appropriate, you know? Oh yeah. Now, um, when you're when you're teaching, you know, a class that has preschool kids versus um, school aged kids, um, how do the needs and maybe the limitations of the young children differ from the older kids or even to adult students? Uh, well, um, we do a lot more play based activity in in my dragons classes. These kids learn best through play. If you've ever been into a kindergarten classroom, you know they have their centers, um, pre right. COVID, of course. And <laughs> I, I don't know if they still do it, but you know, typically there's a play center, an imagination um, center where they're they've got, you know, the little kitchen set up or the or the what have you. And they're very, very imaginative. Um, they tend to live in both worlds. <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, they might think Kung Fu Panda is real and that they are Kung Fu Panda and they totally believe that a hundred percent. So, <laughs> so, so I work to that, you know, that's where their strengths are. Um, so we really bring out the imagination level in that class. Um, we run through the forest and, you know, we're obviously not running through a forest right now. We don't even run anywhere. We just stay in one spot and run. But right. but you can see it in their faces that they're totally in a forest, you know, versus an adult would look at you like, what are you doing? You're crazy, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. So, so I, I tend to be a lot more creative in those classes than I would in um, my older students and in definitely adult classes. Um, and also, you know, I'll, I'll use that a little bit in my beginner level classes for my seven and older as well. But, but, you know, I also look at their belt ranks too and, and get a little bit more serious, the more, the higher ranking that a student is. 
Now, when it comes to the imagination, is it some? Is it more that they enjoy the class more, or is it uh, when that's part of it, or is it more that it just has to be there that you need to have a higher level of like engagement with them during the class for them to even follow along. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, they're, they're codependent, you know, um, they're going to have a, a much better time if that creativity is there and there's that high level of engagement. Uh, most instructors you'll hear them say, you know, I work the hardest in my dragons class <laughs> and, yes, yes. and, and you do. And, and it's because your energy level has to be like a thousand percent, you know, um, because that's honestly where they're, they're energy energy levels are most days. <laughs> um, so right, yeah. Um, and if your energy level is low, then they're either going to be bored or they're just going to like lose track of what's going on. They're yeah. not going to it's got to be fast. Right. Um I I will joke and say, you know, especially when when kids aren't aren't keeping their eyes on me, then you know, I'm like, I'm the prettiest one here. You should be looking at me, not anything else, but what I really need to be is the most engaging person in the room in order for them to, to be engaged. And you just, you have to have a lot more of that engagement with the younger set than, than with the older students. Now, um, from an instructing perspective, um, what, uh, what are some tips that you have for um, new or young instructors um, that are going to be teaching this group that maybe don't have the experience or the um, knowledge of, of how to keep them engaged like that with that high energy level? Right. Um, well, first of all, I always like to tell students um, or new instructors, don't be afraid of this age group. So many people are afraid of these guys. They're and... terrified. <laughs> I don't know why. And <laughs> I know. I'm like, it's not you know, it's not like they're going to, you know, all attack you at once or anything like that. But right. I think because they're, you know, they also wear their emotions on their sleeves so much more than than the older kids. And I think probably a fear of new instructors with this age group is that they're afraid that these kids are going to cry. Um, and, you know, yeah, they might cry. It's okay. <laughs> so right, yeah. you, you handle that situation. Um but, you know, besides that, I think that the, the best advice I'd give is this is where you get to have fun. This is where you get to be silly and goofy and everybody thinks you're amazing when you're acting like that. You know, um, I mean, you get out your air guitar and we play air guitar because we did a good job and these kids love it. You do that in, in your kids class or God forbid your teen or adult class, <laughs> they're going to look at you like there's something totally wrong with you. What happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. So, um, so you just have to really bring that level up. Um, it, in the skills program, they call it edutainment. And if you think about children's television programs, Sesame Street, and uh, you know those sorts of things, back in my day, the Electric Company, um, they they educated through entertainment. And so you have to be an entertainer. When you're, when you're with these, this group, um, as, and if you can't entertain them, you're not going to educate them. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Now you mentioned about, um, you know, if they, if they cry, like, yeah, it's going to happen sometimes and you just handle it. Um, 
for the benefit of, of some of our listeners that are instructors and working on their craft, um, how would you handle that? Because if, if you haven't really dealt with that, it can be kind of a scary thing. You're like, oh, this kid's crying. What right. do I do? Right. And the reasons are so varied um, with these guys. You know, they might have come in and maybe they you know, had a cat and they saw a cat, but now they don't have a cat. And so now they're sad because they missed their cat all of a sudden. Um, their, their emotions are at the very forefront of their brains right now. Their brains, um, the, you know, emotions are in the downstairs part of the brain is what we say. And the intellect is in the upstairs part of the brain. And at, Interesting. at this age, um, it's very hard for them they're getting there, but they're, they're still very emotional versus very intellectual. Um, and so they, you know, they feel it and it comes out. So it typically, if a student is crying, like let's say that they're coming into the school and they're crying, um, oftentimes it's because they're nervous or, um, maybe a little anxiety is going on. They'll tell you that they're scared and that they want their mommy or their daddy. Uh, I never let them go to mom and dad if I can help it. Um, we just try to address those fears and, um, you know, let's say little Susie's like, you know, I'm scared today. Well, okay, I understand it's it's okay to be scared, but let's try to have some fun. So I try to empathize with them and try to move them past because luckily these guys have a very short attention span. So typically you can get them engaged in something else very, very quickly. Um, at that point, that's where I either, you know, go to the physical comedy <laughs> side of things, okay. you yeah. know, like, okay, you know, let's get this uh, body shield out and how hard can you kick? Can you knock me down? And then, you know, of course they knock me down and I'm very dramatic when it happens. And that usually completely gets rid of the tears. Sometimes, okay. sometimes tears are from utter exhaustion. Um, I call it falling off the cliff. Um, I see this a lot uh, in the summertime when kids are like in swim lessons and then their kid, their parents are like, okay, we're going from school to swim lessons to Taekwondo and they get to Taekwondo and, and, and they're dead <laughs> and they, yeah. they just, they're done. Um, that's when I take them to the parents and say, you know, we're a little tired today and I think it's best if we just try again tomorrow. Um, and it's, it's a different sort of crying. Um, I don't, it's it's honestly it's hard for me to to describe, but it's more of a um, maybe like a whining and a and a, a unwillingness to do anything, and, or being very um, floppy. <laughs> uh, I guess is a word when they are okay, doing stuff. Yeah. So you know you have them run in place and they're like marching or they're just like barely moving their feet, or you want them to do a jumping jack and they just move their arms but not their legs. So you know that also will come out physically that exhaustion coming out, and that's when I you know escort them off the floor because it's just going to be a very very rough day for everybody <laughs> if an exhausted 5-year-old or 6-year-old is out on the floor with you. Yes, yes. <laughs> um and you know some kids um they're just their emotions are so much more in the forefront than others that any little thing triggers tears. I have a student who cries whenever she thinks that she's made a mistake. Um 
five and six year olds um, want to please you. That is like a driving force with them. And so they think that they've got something wrong and you're going to be upset. They start to cry. Uh, And I always, one of my mantras is, is I want progress, not perfection. Did you make progress? Um, Yes. I'm like, did you do this better than you did yesterday or five minutes ago? Yes. Good. Great job. Give me a high five. And that will alleviate, you know, those tears. So I, I think the big, the, the big three are probably um, anxiety, um, exhaustion, and perfectionism. Yeah. And I found that uh, I'm always very careful with my words whenever I am giving corrections to, you know, the, the four-year-olds, five-year-olds, mm-hmm. you know, because you, you can't just be blunt. Because sometimes no. then you're going to get tears. You can't just be like, hey, well, that wasn't very good. Like, Because you can't say that to a four-year-old. Yeah. Not, so, sometimes here and there, you can sometimes say it. But in general, like, you have to be like, oh, you know, let's, here's how we're going to make it better. Like, it's like, you know, where it's a pot, you're, you're giving them a critique, but it's just like a positive thing. Like, can you do that even better? Or can you bend your knee even more? Right. Instead of like, hey, you're not bending your knee enough or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, you know, it's, if you came in and watched me teach that the dragons class and then you come in and see me what teach my black belt class you're like you are like two whole different people <laughs> right and, right and and again it's it's because of their needs um one of the best ways i like to try to get the kids to to do things is to call out the kids who are doing something well, you know, wow, Victoria, that was such a high kick. That was amazing. And then you have everybody do a kick again and everybody's kicks are higher because they want. Everyone's all of a sudden higher. Yeah. Right. And, and I mean, that's true with all ages, but especially this age group. So I will try to, in our warm up, um, make sure that I hit every kid and call their name and tell them something that they're doing really well in the warm up, And that also, Pre-frame, pre-frames us for them to try a little bit harder, do a little bit more um, work and and get into everything a little bit more because they want to hear their names again. They want to they want to be the star, you know. Um, so um, that definitely helps a lot, too. Can you walk us through the typical structure of one of the classes that you would teach to, you know, these preschoolers? So how long are your classes for this group? They are th- 25 to 30 minutes. Um, right now we're on the 25-ish minute side for instruction because, you know, we have to take the last five minutes to get everybody off the floor while social distancing and doing all, right. the, all the protocols. So, you know, that's that's totally throwing everything for a loop. <laughs> um but what we do typically uh, pre-COVID is we have the kids come in, we have them sit in our waiting area. And while they're waiting, I've got my assistant instructors going over to them, talking to them, giving them fist bumps, something physical, a high five with them, you know, hey, Mason, good to see you. How is your day? Uh, kind of thing. Because again, at this age, these kids are very physical still. So giving them that fist bump or that high five or I guess now an, an elbow bump <laughs> is what we're doing. Right, yeah. um, so awkward. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, that, that makes that, that connection with them. So pre, pre warm up, I'm trying to get my instructors to make a connection with each and every student. Then when we bring them out onto the floor, I call them up in this class by their name. 
And again, there's that other connection with them. So, you know, we've we've acknowledged them physically. We've acknowledged them by their name. Um, and then we get into our warm-up. My warm-ups are typically about five minutes, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less, just depending on what we're doing. Uh, I try to do the same style warm-up almost every day because that routine and structure is very important at this age. It also helps any kids with uh, special needs know the familiar, you know, being familiar with it and not having right. that anxiety of, oh my gosh, we're doing something new and I don't know what it is. And now, and now I'm going to cry. <laughs> so, right, right. <laughs> um, the, our warm ups, I try to make sure that we have something plyometric in this group. Um, you know, what does that mean? Plyometric? Jumping. You know, oh, okay. where, where you're, you're getting off the ground and you're, you're landing on the ground or you're pushing the ground down. So jump squats, jumping jacks. We like to do something called jumping, jumping jacks, where you actually jump up in the air and then jumping jack and then land. Um, we do, uh, I call it a tabletop where they've got their feet and hands on the floor and they're pushing their belts up um, to make like a little tabletop. And that pushing force is also considered plyometric in this in sorts i mean not not app you know technically but it also helps them physically feel uh, if that makes sense so yeah you know these kids a lot of times don't know where their bodies are in space and again if i've got special needs students this activity grounds them and centers them and gets the those wiggles out that some of them uh, need. If you've got a child who has sensory processing issues, this this absolutely helps them again uh, ground themselves. You know, it's it's I mean that's obviously not the scientific <laughs> terminology for it. That's just what right, I, right. what no, I call yeah. it. So, um, and then once we're done with the warm up, we do a very quick bow in. We say our tenants and we uh, say them and then they repeat them. And then we say the meaning behind them with this group. So, for example, we say courtesy. The kids say courtesy. And then we say be nice. And then they all say be nice. Um, and that, that's something I actually picked up from Mr. Bird when I was a student up in Fishers. Um, so we do that. Um, and then the last one. Well, that makes sense. Because if you don't, if you just have them say courtesy, they don't know what courtesy means. No, they have means. no idea. <laughs> no idea. Um, and then for Indomitable Spirit, um, I always say always be. And they say awesome and i think that's their favorite thing to do <laughs> yeah, um, yeah uh so um you know then we bow and then i have them sit down and that might seem very counterintuitive to what i just said we do but that yeah. but that sitting down helps them focus on me um and it's also important for you know any kid who might be add in this age group and Five and six year olds all have ADD tendencies. <laughs> you know, they, they have a very, right. they have a very, very short attention span. You know, their their brains, they're still maybe thinking about saying that they were awesome. <laughs> you know, when I'm trying to tell them what we're going to do for today. So by sitting down, that action helps them know that that it's time to move on. Um, I use a vis a cue for them to make sure that they're looking at me. Um, where should your eyes be? And they all answer up on you. And that's their cue for them to not only turn their eyes to me, but their entire body to me as well. Um, and that's, people are like, man, you are so strict. Why are you making them do this? I was like, well, 
if I can't get them to have self-control on the little things, I'm not going to be able to have them have self-control on the big things. So if they can turn around and sit still while I'm talking to them with their entire body facing me, for some kids, that is a, that is an exceptional challenge, you know, um, and that's right. a big thing for them. But for, for most of the five and six-year-old age group, um, it's, it's a little win for them, you know, and then I will always try to comment on how well somebody's showing me self-control. Um, and so, you know, we do it. A lot of people call it a mat chat. I tell them what skill we're working on and they will repeat after me. Um, so, uh, this week, right now, we're working on focus, and we talk about focusing our eyes, our ears, and our body. And so, you know, they will repeat that. I'm like, focus your eyes. They repeat it. And then we talk about what that means. You know, that means to look at me. And then focus your ears. Um, that means listening. What does that mean? And that's saying yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. Um, I, I like to, uh, also introduce comedy <laughs> at this point with them. So, okay. you know, we'll do, okay. You say yes, ma'am to me, but who else do you say yes, ma'am to, you know, your mom, your teacher, the lady at, uh, the checkout, you know, at HEB, you know, when do you say, mm-hmm. when do you say yes, sir? And what do you say when your dog talks to you? And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, some of them will answer up, yes, dog, you know, kind of a thing. <laughs> I'm like, that's right. Um, but again, it also, um, it grabs their attention, you know, and, and, I call it the dad jokes, you know, like this group just loves dad jokes. So right. They love absurdity too. <laughs> yeah. Like if you just say something absurd, you mm-hmm. know, it's like if you're going over something with your hands and it's like, am I going to use my feet for this? They're like, no, right. Like they love it when you, you know, just say something that's odd and they, their brains are love it. Yes. Yes. And it also, I also do a lot, you know, ready, set gorilla and try to catch <laughs> right, them or yeah. ready, set, you know, Gogurt, and then I will throw something completely random in there, you know, ready, set, pumpkin pie, you know, and they're like, what? Um, but, I, I, you know, and then I, t- I explain them like, yeah, I need to make sure that you're listening to me. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, well, and it gets them, it's stimulating to them too, yes, right? Yes. It's a test for you to make sure that they're paying attention, but it's also like their brains wake up when they hear that and they're like, that's not what I expected you to say. So right. now I'm interested in what you're going to say next. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and this age group, they love to be right and you're wrong. <laughs> so, so <laughs> I will count, you know, one, two, eight, 12, 16. And they're like, they look at me. I'm like, what? That's not right. And, and they're like, no, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, I, and, and that, so I'm always trying to do things like that to really grasp and, and hold their attention. Um, once we do our little mat chat and my mat chats last from one to three minutes. Cause that's about as long as these guys can sit still. Um, we get, and we go work on this skill. So we always work on the skill of the day with, uh, I, I call them drills, but they think it's play. So yesterday, for example, when we were working on focus, we worked on, um, 
a drill where I have these little square blocks and multiple colors and we stack them and they had to kick them one by one, um, starting with the top one and then going their way down. Um, and, you know, that's that's helping them focus uh, their brain on what they're doing as well as their body, making sure that, you know, they're aiming accurately and all of that stuff. Um, so we'll go through that. Then we go over um, our form and our one steps. Um, Pre-COVID, we would always end with a game for the class. Um, Typically, we would play dodgeball because these kids just love dodgeball. All of my students love dodgeball. It's like, you know, Mm -hmm. the best game ever, right? (laughs) Um, And then then, uh, as we're – right now, as we're dismissing them, that's when we we give them their stripe. And if any student isn't ready to earn a stripe, instead of dismissing them, that's when we'll keep them on the floor and try to work with them to get them to earn that stripe for the day. Because especially with this this age group, I really try to make sure that they earn earn their stripes. Um, uh, because again, it can be very uh, traumatic <laughs> for, for for some of these kids to walk away without a stripe. Um, oh yeah, oh for sure. That's not saying that I won't hold a stripe for a student, um, particularly like if I have a student, I have a student who really has self control issues, and especially while we were online, and he'd be running all over the couches. <laughs> Instead of doing class, I was like, well, you know, I can't give you your stripe today because you didn't show me enough self-control. Um, and boy, then the very next day he was on it, you know. So mm-hmm. um, and again, you know, you know your own students. You've got to do what's best for your students. Um, uh, I don't like to be that much to everyone's surprise. I don't like to be that that hard. Um, but, you know, I do it because the kids need it. And they always they always rise to the occasion um, when you are that, you know, when you are that hard and maybe don't give them their stripe or tell them, you know, if, if you don't do this correctly, you can't earn this, you know? Right. Now in the, in the kind of meat of the class and like the main section of it where you're going over, you know, techniques and, you know, doing, you know, some kind of martial arts, what are we actually learning in this kind of class? Like what are some examples of some things? Because I'd imagine it's, it's very different for, you know, almost everybody's preschool um, program, they're not learning the same content. It's the same stuff usually, but watered down. How would you describe it? Um, so for forms, we work on the form Chanji. And for us, you know, that's not the form that we work on with our Taekwondo students. Um, I know many, many uh of our schools in Taekwondo America will take a portion of one of our current forms and work on just that portion. Yeah. We work on all of Chanji and we start out expecting the first three belt ranks to get through the first eight moves with an instructor counting them through and doing it with them. The second, the second, uh, three, the, the intermediates, you know, the, the green, um, uh, green, uh, purple and blue belts. Um, we want them to be able to do that portion on their own. And by usually by purple belts, we're also starting to work on the second half of Chanji with them, with an instructor, you know, counting it through. By the time we get to brown belt, um, we're going through almost the entire form. The form has, um, 
let's see, 16, like 18, 19 moves in it, 19 moves in it. So we're going through at least 16 of those moves. They can do half of that without any help at all. Um, and we progressed doing, by the time they're a black belt in this program, doing all of Chanji and all three one steps without any assistance from instructors, or I also say uh, each other as all, well, because as you know, this group will go ahead and turn their head and completely watch another student in yeah. order to do something. So I always uh, tell them, like, keep your eyes on your own paper. Come on now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, and, and I do this because we do a rotational system um, for our belts, uh, for our Taekwondo program. And if I pull a kid out of this class, before they would earn a yellow belt. Um, they're coming in as a white belt and my white belts, you know, they all do keep on. And if we have them doing keep on for two years and they come in and doing keep on, I lose them. Um, you know, right, so, so because, because we stair step a form through this whole program, instead of pulling out different moves, of all the forms, I, I needed a form that was completely different than what we do as part of our curriculum for the, for, um, the Taekwondo students. So, um, and then we do the same thing with the one steps as well. Usually by the time they're a green belt, they know all three one steps. They might be using the incorrect sides occasionally on, um, you know, one of the kicks or one of the techniques, which again is totally normal for this age group. Um, um, but it's, that repetition to me is is not an issue at all um, for them going forward. Um, we also work on, so we work on um, the other four skills. We work on our focus, uh, control, balance, kicking, because like I said, kicking is what we do in Taekwondo. <laughs> and, right. <laughs> and right now we also work on fitness. And we used to work on teamwork which is also a really important skill at this age because they're very um, self-centered still at age five and six. But I don't know about you, kids today don't go outside and play like they used to. And so the, their physical fitness levels are much lower than they were even five years ago. So I feel like fitness is an important component for this age group so that they are ready to do Taekwondo once they go into my program. Now, what does that look like for a preschooler in terms of fitness? Because I mean, are you doing typical fitness exercises, but just, you know, expecting less of the like completed, you know, exercise, or do you have your own specific exercises for them? Um, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, our physical, so they, they have to be able to do jumping jacks. Um, we call them frog sits, which are squats. Um, I like that frog. Sits. <laughs> yeah. Um, it helps them keep their butts down and their heads up. Cause you know, I'll, I'll do it like, like what they do and you know, where their butts are in the air and their eyes are looking down at the floor and they just dip their head. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is not how a frog sits right now. <laughs> um, uh, and then we also do the tabletops that I was mentioning before. Um, some people call them bridges, but to me, a bridge is, you know, a gymnastics move where you're like all bent all crazy and 
God knows I can't do that at all. So, so I'm, I'm not going to have these kids do it either. Um, and but it's similar, right? So wait, what's the difference? So you have, so they have belly up, but they're putting their hands on the ground, but they're not reaching over their back shoulders. Correct. Just kind of reaching straight down. Okay. Yeah, yes, correct. So, I mean, we call it a tabletop because you're making yourself into a table. Um, right. And I'll tell the kids, you know, I need to be able to sit my bowl of ice cream on you because if it, <laughs> if it falls off, I'm going to cry because, you know. I love ice cream, so I need to be able to sit this bowl on you. And we'll walk around and, you know, like I pretend to step on them like they're a stool um, and tell them how strong they are and that, you know, I could, I could, you know, be much taller (laughs) thanks to them kind of a thing. (laughs) So, so I, you know, if you can visualize that, maybe that's a little bit more helpful for you. Um, The last thing we do, we call it uh, shark in the water. And this is extremely difficult for this age group. And in fact, I actually have all of my students do this. They just do it for a longer time. So what we do is our legs are straight out in front of us. um, And then we rest on our elbows. And so we're propping ourselves up. If we weren't on our elbows, you'd be sitting on your tailbone, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, And their eyes have to be forward. Um, They all want to drop their heads back because for whatever reason, they think that's easier. Um, and then they have to lift their legs high enough off the floor that the shark fin can't touch them. And then they have to hold it. Um, in this age group, we hold it for 15 seconds. So, um, it is, uh, it's a core exercise and, you know, kids these age cannot do sit-ups. They can't. Their cores are not strong enough for that. Um, they can hold their, their heels off the ground, you know, five inches ish, um, for 15 seconds or work toward that, strive toward that. And what we'll do is we'll take a pool noodle and put it underneath their feet and their, their heels have to be high enough that we can slide that pool noodle underneath their feet. So, okay. I like that one. Yeah. Um, you know, the shark can't bite your heels, (laughs) you know, (laughs) again, (laughs) again, using that imagination. So as they progress up in belts, we, add reps to their to what they're doing or we add the jumping to it so my highest ranks have to do jumping jumping jacks and they have to do frog jumps or you know jump jump squats tabletop is always the same um and the and the shark in the water is always the same too so that, that, that's what our fitness, what we're testing them for on their fitness. Um, we'll do everything in that class from um, we call them one, two, three, fours. It's a modified burpee. Um, so for example, I take those big square blocks that I have and they, you know, number one is they sit like a frog. Number two, they have to put their chest on top of that block. Number three is the same. And then number four, we get to jump up and say, woohoo. <laughs> so, okay. um, so we modify it by having that block there for them instead of them going all the way down to the floor. Um, we don't, ever do push-ups in this class um we um we don't do sit-ups in this class it's just you know there there are some I I always want to challenge my students but there are some challenges that are just too great (laughs) for this age group and they've got their entire life to learn how to do a push-up correctly and a sit-up correctly (laughs) so so um, and also in my, my Taekwondo program, we don't do crunches. We do full sit-ups. Um, so again, five and six-year-olds, it's a rare five and six-year-old who can do that at all. Right. Now for push-ups, um, 
uh, one uh, a modified push-up that we do at Valley Ranch that um, I learned from Mrs. Lacey that I really like is we're basically it's just a high plank and then we're like lifting up our left hand, putting that back down, then lifting up our right hand. So they're kind of shifting their body weight. Mm-hmm. They seem it's a it's it's a good balance of they can do it, but it also is a bit of a challenge for them to kind of hold that arm up there for like a second or two. Right. So like, I'm a big fan of that one. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, yeah, I was I was gonna say we do a modified a modified plank, a plank on their knees um, for that. And again, we're really working on making sure that their bellies are up and they're not looking mm-hmm. like um, like the cow position in yoga, you know, where you sink your belly right, really yeah. low. <laughs> um, and, getting, and getting their quads off the floor. For this age group, that's that can be a real struggle um, for, for their, on their planks. But, um, yeah, I, I like that arm idea. I'll have to, I'll have to pull that out. We might have to try that today. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, do you guys do any specific exercises for balance? Because I've, I, yeah. from what I see is that's one of the biggest challenges with them is they have no balance. Right. And, and that's actually one of the skills that we work on. Um, and I always let parents know that this is the most difficult skill for these guys in order to, um, to, to accomplish. Um, so we actually work, um, uh, this week, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we'll be working on nothing but balance with this group. So, you know, a lot of our, our, our skills, um, just sometimes we're hopping on one foot. Um, we will, um, walk the plank. Um, I have the century, uh, we call them the Kit Kat bars, this, the balance beams from Century that are red <laughs> and, okay, and they yeah. have Velcro on either end. So I don't know. They're, I don't know, six inches off. No, they're not even six inches. They're three inches off the ground um, and they have to walk that. But I make sure that they don't look down and that they look out. I have an instructor stand at the end and they have to keep eye contact with that instructor. We'll do heel to toe walks on on our puzzle mat lines. Um, that's really, it's challenging for me to do that. (laughs) So it's, it's challenging (laughs) for them to do that. Um, and then I always tell them, you know, the best way to work on balance is to do things like ride your bike, ride a skateboard, um, you know, just your typical everyday play activities that kids don't get to do these days. Um, and that's, you know, one of the reasons that their balance is such an issue, you know, uh, it's, um, pull those training wheels off and, and let them learn how to balance. Um, you know, it's, what's, what's, I always like to say, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? They're going to fall down, you know? Um, right. But I mean, that's life, right? You fall down and you get back up and you try again. So um, this, the scooters too are, are super great for this age. And by a scooter, I mean, you know, the one with the handles and, you know, right, the yeah. wheels and um, that can really help them develop, um, balance and and balance is an issue because core strength is 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 out the door um for everybody but even especially with this group so um we work on developing that core strength with a variety of stuff now a topic that we um haven't touched on too much that I'm interested to hear your take on is how do you handle discipline for students that are acting up or acting unruly in class so yeah um and again, it's, you know, it does vary on the students, um, but let's just take a new student, for example. Um, first thing I will do is um, 
a correction. Say, oh, no, 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 that's not how we do this. Let's do it this way. Or, you know, I know you have, you can show me better self-control. Let's see it. And then, you know, tell them, see, I knew you could do a great job. Um, A a lot of times, especially with our newer students and our younger five-year-olds, I will have an instructor be their buddy for the day. And that buddy is in charge of helping them have self-control. Um, you know, reminding them over and over again, um, hey, you need to sit crisscross ninja sauce, make sure you're looking at Mrs. Chapman, you know, let's let's not scratch the floor with our fingernails. Um, my pet peeve. <laughs> and yes. and um and so that that is super helpful for the kids. Um for my kids who really have focusing issues, just like at school, they get to sit in front um, because that way I can maintain better eye contact with them. I am constantly uh, asking them, where should your eyes be on you? And that's, it's like a focus point for us, you know, Um, and it's a redirect for us. Uh, So it doesn't matter if one child is not looking at me. If I see one child not looking at me, I'm going to call out, where should your eyes be? And the whole class answers up on you. So it's a really, really good redirect for them. So I will try to redirect as much as I can. Um, If that's not working or I've got a child who's being uh, pretty unruly and willfully unruly, um, we have a little chat. Um, Back in the day when I had a Bob, um, I, I just, I will ask him, I, can you, sh- you're, not, you're not showing me, you're not doing a great job of showing me self-control right now. Can you do a better job? And yes. Okay, good. Because I would hate for you to have to go sit by Bob. Um, and for anyone at home who's listening, <laughs> Bob is, is the like uh, body opponent bag, I think is what it stands for. It's the like uh, padded person shaped Thing, in case anyone's wondering yes. what we're talking and it, about. <laughs> and it is it is terrifying because he doesn't have real eyes. Everything's flesh tone. And so yes. he doesn't have pupils. He doesn't have eyes. And he is like a monster <laughs> to the five and six-year-olds. <laughs> he's pretty scary looking. <laughs> yeah, he is. Um, he doesn't have arms most of the time. Most of yeah. the time he's just a torso. <laughs> See, that's why I thought he was called Bob. Because, you know, if you threw him in the water, he would just bob because he doesn't have <laughs> arms or legs. <laughs> uh, that's great. Yes. <laughs> yeah, another dad joke. There you go. Um, so we'll go sit with, sit with Bob for, you know, just a few minutes to get our self-control back. And that's what I always tell them. You need to go sit by Bob to regain your self-control. It's never, you're sitting by Bob because you're being a butthead or you're not behaving. Um, Oh, I see you need more self-control. Let's go sit down and and do that. Sometimes I'll have them come to the front of the room um, and sit right next to me um, to get more self-control. Um, unfortunately, Bob, Bob died a horrible death earlier this year. We had a funeral for him and everything. Um, and I have not replaced my Bob. So now I get, what happened? What happened? (laughs) Bob was very, very old. I mean, he, I, I, I had him before I even opened a school. So my Bob is probably like 15 years old and he just, he just, it was time, you know, um, just falling apart. I, yeah. Just, I guess, natural causes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, and so we, um, you know, we, we, uh, buried him in the dumpster. 
<laughs> oh my god! Out of context, this is going to sound very incriminating. I know, right? I know. Like I, I did the the funniest thing is in our closed Facebook group too. I did like an in memoriam to Bob. Oh my god, people! That was like one of the highest commented uh, things I ever had in my closed Facebook group. It was amazing. <laughs> so, um, so. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's a matter of, I see you need more self-control today. You're going to sit here until you get it. Um, right now with COVID going on, um, everybody's in their own little square. Um, you have to sit down and you don't get to participate um, for, you know, one rep, two reps, three reps until, until we think that you're going to have some self-control. Um, right. Every once in a while, I'll pull out the hat of, uh, do we need to go talk to mom or dad? Um, but I try not to do that because I don't, I, I want them to understand that I'm in charge of them during, during class time. And again, it goes back to that. I need that pleasingness that they need to do. And I want them to want to behave for me, not for mom and dad. So, which, right. which is, you know a little off topic. It's funny because I, I, I'm sure Mrs. Lacey's heard it. I'm sure you hear it. Um, you know, I am the, I am the threat at home <laughs> for discipline. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Taekwondo instructors definitely outrank parents most mm-hmm. of the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Um, one thing that I've found specifically that I think works really well, and this works really well for school age kids as well, is just asking them the tough questions. I don't like telling them what they did wrong. I like mm-hmm. asking them and they tell me because then it makes them more uncomfortable and it right. makes them have to like marinate on it for a second. You know, you know, did you did you do the thing? And they say, yes, are we supposed to do that right. thing? No. And then it's like, you need, why don't you go sit down for a second and then you can come back when you are ready. When I say that you're, when I think that you're ready to, to listen and, and they're sitting out for like maybe a minute, maybe two minutes at the most, just because and then if they are out for too long, they're just going to get themselves in more trouble because they're, they're going to be distracted and finding something to right. entertain themselves with. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll do that too. I'll, I'll also try to, um, ask them. And, and again, this is like when we've got a little bit more time in the class, um, I, you know, did, is, was that the best choice you could make t- right now? And, and, you know, no. Um, so what's a better choice that we can do? Um, sort of a thing. So I, you know, I, I'm a little old school though. Um, so I'm not, I'm, I'm more of a, okay, let's nip this in the bud and here's what's going to happen. And, um, you know, that's, that's where my very, my, my bluntness and my directness will, will tend to come out. Um, especially if I've, you know, tried to um, redirect and tried all of the other techniques that I have in my arsenal for discipline um, with a kid and it's not working. Um, and then, and then, you know, I get, I'll tell them like it is, uh, even in the five and six year old class. And again, it's never like one of my white belts. Um, it's always one of my kids who've been with me for a long time. Oh, for sure. Because if it's if it's like their first month or two in the program, they're still learning the culture. They're still they're still they are still learning the moves or the rules. I mean, they're still learning the rules. But then you get the kids that like they should know better. Yeah. And so you got to hold them to that little bit of a higher standard. Right. Right. So, um, and and so yeah, and, you know, I've got some kids who are on a check and balance the system. Um, one uh, one of my students, um, 
his uh, his grandparents are raising him, and the school system has that dojo app um, for the school, and his grandfather created um, like this little icon that he put in the dojo program um, for Taekwondo, and um, I rate him at the end of every class, did he get a thumbs up or thumbs down? And so, um, and, and he's also doing this at school right now too. And, you know, so many thumbs up at the end of the week means he gets to go do something special. Like he loves to go bowling is what grandpa told me. So, you know, grandpa will take him bowling over the weekend. Um, so, you know, that, that's a whole nother avenue that, that I honestly haven't explored, but, but this grandfather, I'm like, man, this is amazing. We need to do this with all the kids. <laughs> you know? So Yeah. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. What are parents usually looking for when they sign their kids up, uh, when they sign their preschoolers up for martial arts? And and maybe a bonus question of theirs, like, how does that differ from what they actually are going to be getting out of it? And then if we want to wrap that all together with, um, why would you recommend uh, somebody sign up their preschooler to try out uh, a martial art? Sure. Uh, the number one reason that people come to me for uh, their preschool students is for what they call discipline. When I ask the parents this, it is predominantly that they become a first-time listener. Um, and it's, you know, like, okay, cool. It's really hard to be a first-time listener at ages five and six years old or even older. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> it's really hard, especially these days. So I take that and in my head I'm translating, they want them to have more self-control. And by going into a martial arts class at this age, that self-control that they learn will help them become more of a first-time listener more often, but it also helps them in so many other areas of their life. You know, having to sit at a restaurant while your parents are chatting it up with their friends and you're bored out of your mind and you're not, you know, bouncing around in the seat or, you know, running around the restaurant to right. um, not being able to sit still in your chair at school and fixing fixing that issue where they can you know stay centered and not be you know falling off their chairs or crawling around their chairs um, the entire class to being quiet and waiting their turn to talk um, to just because we think it doesn't mean we say it and being able to remedy that as well <laughs> by doing a martial arts class. Um, on top of that, martial arts is a great way to develop that core strength that so many kids are lacking today. Um, you know, I would say if your child has great discipline and great self-control, um, martial arts, uh, the main benefit for these kids is is to gain better core strength. Core strength is is the foundation of our entire body. You can't have strong legs and strong arms if you don't have a strong core. And martial arts definitely develops that that core strength. So, which in turn can help with all sorts of things like just sitting still. Sometimes kids don't sit still because their core muscles are so weak that they can't. They have to move into different positions um, in order to um, to be comfortable. Um, so, you know, there you go. You got two for one. 
Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Miss Chapman, thank you for coming on the show. You've been a pleasure to have on here. You've shared a lot of great insights with us. I really appreciate you coming on with us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hello Taekwondo podcast. Are you subscribed yet? If not, hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on. If you want new episodes delivered right into your inbox, go to hellotaekwondo.com to join our mailing list. And while you're there, consider becoming one of our supporters. Did you know that you can help out the show by contributing as little as $1 a month? Yes, a dollar. And your dollar really does help out the show, I promise. So if you love the show and you would like to hear more of the Hello Taekwondo podcast in the future, you can make that happen by going to hellotaekwondo.com slash support. For those of you who live in or around the Katy, Texas area, just outside of Houston, check out Fort Bend Taekwondo America. They have an amazing program for preschoolers, as we just heard all about from Mrs. Chapman. And yes, they have programs for kids and teens as well. Learn more at fortbendtkd.com. That's fortbendtkd.com. In the meantime, keep kicking, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Hello Taekwondo Podcast.